This is Cover to Cover, a podcast brought to you by the Santa Barbara Public Library. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cover to Cover. We're your hosts, Jace Turner. And I'm Norma Cervantes. Our guest today is Jessica Galley. She'll share some insights and personal stories about a very important essential service being provided in our community each and every day of the year. A service that is even more essential now during this time of COVID-19 and social isolation. Since COVID-19, our concept of essential services and essential workers has broadened widely beyond healthcare and emergency service workers, and now includes people who work in the food and agricultural uh, workforce, among many other professions. Even though we at the library were required to close our doors to the public back in mid-March, staff never stopped providing library services to the community. We've been taking calls, answering emails and chat. We created book bundles for families, and for a short time sent books and DVDs by mail, thanks to the very generous support of the Library Foundation. We've been issuing library cards for new users via Zoom, and now we're providing sidewalk pickup service at all of the Santa Barbara libraries. It wasn't long into the stay-at-home order before library staff truly understood the nature of the essential services we're providing to the community, just by answering the phone and taking and talking to people, engaging with them and and making connections, that it turns out is essential. In fact, we have a number of regular homebound patrons that call us, many of them seniors, just to chat for a bit. And during those calls, it becomes clear that we may be the only person they talk to all day. So we give these people a little more time on the phone, which means a lot to them. Also working with some of the most vulnerable and isolated community members is Jessica Galley among many other Meals on Wheels volunteers, provides the essential service of delivering hot meals to seniors and homebound residents in our community. Jessica is a native of California, born and raised in the Bay Area. She's lived in Santa Barbara for five years and is a graduate of UCSB. Jessica is the owner of Study Buddies Tutoring, where she provides academic tutoring services and a member of the Santa Barbara Meals on Wheels Board of Directors, where she has volunteered as a meal driver for four years, and more recently as the Assistant Grants Coordinator. So welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. So tell us a little bit about Meals on Wheels and how first you became involved in the program. Um, Meals on Wheels is a fantastic nonprofit organization that delivers hot, nutritious food to um, not only seniors, but just homebound or disabled people in our community. And when I moved down here, I was just, I was a little bit isolated myself. I spent most of my time at school and I was, I went back to school a little bit later in life. So I was much older than um, all of my peers in my classes at school. So I really wasn't making a lot of connections there. And I was just kind of looking for a way to get involved in the community. So I volunteered with Meals on Wheels and started driving a weekly route, delivering food and ended up forming a lot of really meaningful friendships and bonds with uh, people within the organization and clients. It's, it's really been such a meaningful, just 
sort of life-changing experience for me. So Jessica, um, I would imagine that since uh, COVID-19, Meals on Wheels has had to make a number of changes to how it delivers food to your clients and that interactions between volunteers and clients has also changed. Um, I'm wondering if you can describe for us how a typical day looked delivering meals to homebound seniors before COVID-19 and then describe how it looks now. Yeah, COVID-19 has really changed a lot for us in terms of how our organization operates. We had to um, adapt a lot very, very quickly. Before COVID-19, one of the really beautiful things about Meals on Wheels is that not only are we providing this nutritious food, but we also provide sort of what you were talking about, that social contact to people who are isolated, who often have no family around, some of whom are not even able to leave their homes. And their interaction with their meal driver is frequently the only interaction they're gonna have during the day. So when I started driving with Meals on Wheels, my route took me you know, about maybe 40 minutes to deliver all 20 of my meals. But as I became more sort of involved in the social aspect of it, I started bringing my dog with me and ended up spending a lot more time in each home than I had before. It takes me hours and hours and hours now. But yeah, COVID has changed a lot. Not only have we seen uh, a client surge, there's a lot more elderly and homebound individuals in our community who are looking for this service now because they are the vulnerable population in terms of COVID and uh, it's better for them to stay home where they're safe. So we've seen our client numbers surge. We've also seen our volunteer pool shrink significantly because a lot of our volunteers are also in that affected age range and it's safer for them to stay home and not go out delivering meals. Tell us about your dog and the interactions that he has with the participants and what joy he brings, I'm sure. My dog is such a little champ. I often joke that he does more for people than most people do. I sort of saw this connection develop between my dog and my grandfather uh, when my grandfather was ill towards the end of his life. And we would go visit him frequently in the hospital and my little Boston Terrier Milo would just jump right into his hospital bed, uh, no invitation necessary and stay there very quietly and peacefully and just be with my grandpa and give him comfort. Um, So sweet. On another level, it was amazing. It was so beautiful. So I started bringing Milo into some homes with me, of course, only homes where he was welcome. Uh, some people, you know, have cats or other dogs or they just don't want a little a little monkey running around. He's amazing. He sort of adjusts his approach almost depending on the kind of house we're in, whether, you know, he is going to be a goofball and make someone laugh or just stand quietly next to them so they, they can, you know, touch his little head and feel that little connection with something. It's it's really, really beautiful. And a lot of people really, really look forward to seeing this little dog. He always comes with me and he I, he really makes such a difference in people. Some people don't even respond to me by name anymore. They just say, oh, Milo, you know. <laughs> Jessica, can you tell us a, like a particular story or an individual story or maybe like a, without naming names, like a favorite client or an interaction that you had that was really special um, or meaningful for you? 
Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So my mother calls me the grandparent collector. Since I was a little kid, I've just, uh, my grandparent relationships have been really, really special and important to me. And I've always kind of been drawn to elderly people who don't have family around them. It, I mean, you know, I even, I wear this same bracelet every day that was given to me over two decades ago by my grandparents' neighbor, who I noticed when I was a little kid never had family over at her house. And so one day I just marched over and told her, we're having a party, come join us. And she was a fixture in our family after that. She always came to everything. Wow. Still that way in my volunteerism, there's one particular uh, woman on my route who I have become very close with. I spend a lot of time in her home, not anymore due to COVID-19, but we've adjusted our approach since we can't go into the homes anymore. She and I are now COVID pen pals. Pen pals, I love it. I love it. (laughs) It's so fun. So when I deliver her meal, it comes with a note that I've written, um, cut clippings of things I found that she might find interesting. Uh, She was a nurse and she's highly, incredibly intelligent. So we share you know, scientific stories, we share notes, I tell her what's going on in my life. She, on the other hand, plans COVID dates for my boyfriend and I. She will literally write out step-by-step instructions for me. Well, tell us how you met your boyfriend and did he follow you here or? (laughs) It is the most cheesy after-school special story in history. We love it, we love it, (laughs) bring it on. Bring it on. What is what is um the the teens call it the the meat cute meat cute. I've learned that recently. Oh my gosh, it is the quintessential meat cute. We met at Lake Tahoe Community College, this little gem of a college tucked away in the Sierra Nevadas. It's tiny. It's amazing. Best years of my life so far were spent there. But we were both going back to school in our twenties, and it was a tiny little school and we were both on the math and science tracks so we were in all the same classes and we were paired up as biology lab partners and just spent most of our time studying together and working together and we fell in love. We moved down here together to go to UCSB and didn't plan on staying after graduation but here we are two years later. That's awesome. And that's what brought you to Santa Barbara was school. Just kind of went back to school because we needed to, frankly. And uh, we didn't really have any plans to go to any particular university. But once we graduated from LTCC, we had a lot of acceptance letters and, and UCSB just looked spectacular. So we both decided to attend. He studied chemistry and earth science and I studied brain sciences. And yeah, it's just been kind of a roller coaster ride, but very fun. Absolutely. And you guys have just kind of started taking over, or you guys have just kind of just started your own business, right? We did. Yeah, we have just started um, Study Buddies Tutoring. It is um, an online academic tutoring company, and its its genesis was really back at Lake Tahoe Community College, where. We, um, we spent all this time studying and, you know, we realized that we performed academically so much better when we were able to study together and bounce our ideas off of each other and consider, you know, other points of view. We actually even uh, ran a volunteer tutoring group out of LTCC where we sort of invited all the kids from the community who needed academic help to come meet us at LTCC one day a week for tutoring. And it was just an absolute madhouse, but so much fun. Uh, and that's sort of where 
Study Buddies was born. You know, I was, you kind of mentioned the pen pals thing. I wanted to go back to that for just a second because I've been noticing that since COVID-19 and everything, a lot of things being online and virtual, that it seems to be there's kind of this movement to kind of like unplug and, you know, take walks out in your neighborhood or sit on your porch if you have one or like write letters. Like, like what is that about? And, and, and why all of a sudden does it seem so novel to be doing these things that, you know, people were doing for hundreds of years? I wonder if you have any kind of insights into that. I totally agree with you. I mean, technology is amazing in that it's allowing us to keep up with all of the services that we wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, imagine if this had happened at a time when we didn't have Zoom. I mean, what would kids have done? It's amazing that we have this to continue on with the essential things that we need to do. But I totally agree with you. It's like at some point, how much of our lives can just be spent looking at a screen and totally plugged in? Um, I think we miss out on a lot and we forget how to do things that have just been second nature and uh, normal for so much of our lives. And I especially worry about these kids who are growing up in this climate and spending their formative years just sort of staring at a screen. It, It worries me. But That might be why I love spending time with these elderly clients so much. They're from such a generation removed from all of this technology that I just find it so refreshing to write letters and clip, you know, articles out of magazines instead of just getting a link text message on my phone. So I am so happy for the opportunity to just shut it out and go back. Well, Jay still uses a typewriter to write all of his papers. So. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I would love to use a typewriter. All of the technology I own, it was gifted to me by family members who were like, Jessica, you just, you have to do it. You have to take the plunge. You need the laptop. You need the smartphone. You just have to, because I, I resisted for so long. I mean, who would know that like during this time that like snail mail would be all the rage, right? It's like, wow, a letter in the mail, like a postcard. How but, exciting. But honestly, I personally, I, my friend, I mean, we text, but she also sends cards in the mail and little gifts, which are so nice and unexpected. So it's made me like giving me social pressure to do that to other people also. And you need more of that, Norma, social pressure. (laughs) (laughs) So I get that. We discover how to connect with each other without using technology. It's, uh, you know, I I try to talk about the silver lining of COVID-19 whenever possible. You know, it's wreaked so much havoc. It's done so much damage in so many ways. But I try to find the silver linings. I try to find the places where it has done something good for me or, you know, for my community. And I think that's definitely one of the things. Agreed. I think that it's almost like defining community and what you are doing to make your community, right? Because each of us make our own little community, quote unquote, you know, even though we're a part of a bigger community. So what is it in particular that you define as community and what has made Santa Barbara so special other than, you know, your significant other? (laughs) Santa Barbara is such a special place. I mean, apart from being just the most impossibly beautiful place I have ever been in my entire life, like I'll go back to places that I thought were beautiful before I lived in Santa Barbara. And they're just, I'm like, no, mm -mm, no, I'll go back to Santa Barbara. But Santa Barbara is really beautiful on the inside as well. It's just, it is such a spectacular community. Um, It's a community that's really been 
it's really been challenged in the past couple of years. We've been through so much. We went through the Thomas fire. We, uh, we went through the mudslides and now we're going through COVID-19 and the community has really been through the ringer. But I really think that that, that struggle is kind of like, you know, the ultimate litmus test for a community and, and struggle will reveal who we are, who this place is at its core. And I think the struggle has shown that we're, we're empathetic and we're humble and we're vibrant and we're resilient and we're kind. I mean, I see it every day, people trying to prop each other up and help get each other through this. The same way they did during the mudslides, the same way they did through the fires. We are so good at coming together and taking care of each other. And it really is, it's such a special place to live. I love it. It's true. It's really been an exercise in empathy, I think, you know, to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes. And this situation is is affecting everyone differently, you know, and I've been so amazed by how the community has adapted and changed their way of kind of approaching services or providing food or providing entertainment or providing connection and engagement. You know, here at the library, we've done lots of things to kind of try and reach our users. And that's always changing and adapting. And so I just feel like Santa Barbara is a special place in that, you know, you walk down State Street and you see people eating on State Street and, you know, you see people kind of experiencing what it's like to kind of own this space that quite frankly, for many years kind of felt like it was more of a tourist kind of destination, right? So I kind of appreciate that right now. And it's an opportunity for all of us to really kind of go out and support our local businesses, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've just gone so out of my way to make sure that I'm, I'm purchasing food from local businesses, anything I need. I mean, I find exactly what I want online and then I go and find where that is offered in the community, in a local business and spend my money there and exercise in empathy. And, you know, every conversation that I have, whether it's, you know, with strangers or friends or family, whatever their position is on COVID-19 and the state of affairs, I'm always trying to encourage people, imagine outside yourself, imagine how this is affecting people other than you step outside and you know out of your own little bubble into someone else's shoes and try to understand how this could be affecting someone else and act accordingly and it's wear a mask wear, yeah, oh my gosh wear a mask wear a mask yes. wear a mask that's the social pressure wear a mask wear a mask agreed so Jessica we know a little bit about your meet cute we know we've met a little we've heard a little bit about Milo but what's something maybe about you that um, not a lot of people know that you feel comfortable sharing with our listeners? That not a lot of people know about me. I mean, honestly, you kind of seem like an open book to us. You know, you're very kind of, you know, friendly and casual and just kind of there. But I just wonder, like, what is it that if you were doing some kind of icebreaker exercise, you know, what would be one thing that you might share that people in the room might not know about you? I'm actually quite a homebody introvert. So, you know, for me, this crisis has been, it's been really challenging for me to not be able to spend time with my family because they don't live here in Santa Barbara. And, you know, we've adapted by having Zoom dates and talking on the phone a lot. But really for me, I've enjoyed being stuck at home. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but it was almost, it's almost sort of relieving to know that I don't, I don't have to go do anything. There's no expectation. I for agree. 
I am definitely an introvert and a homebody by nature. And it kind of makes it okay, right? Like it's okay now to be an introvert. It's okay now to be a homebody. It's totally validated my sort of normal state of existence in like a really weird way. And I appreciate that. But I work so hard to put on, you know, sort of this act more like an extrovert, you know, be, be more, you know, sociable and bubbly. And, you know, I do enjoy socializing, but I have enjoyed, I have enjoyed being stuck at home. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I, again, going back to social pressures and going like trying to be as social as possible. But I mean, my favorite place is being at home. I'm fine with that. Spend my days in the backyard with my dog, gardening and talking to students via Zoom, cooking, and I'm just happy as a clown. <laughs> any any new hobbies you've taken on? Oh my gosh. Um, well, Aaron and I are both musicians. He is more of a professional musician and I'm more of a aspiring musician, but I'm a bass player and he- Oh, wow. Uh, he is an everything player, but he bought me a ukulele for Christmas. So I've been working on learning how to play. It's such an easy little straightforward instrument, but it turns out it's really difficult to transition from <laughs> bass guitar to ukulele. So well, maybe once we're done with COVID-19, you can come and uh, be a guest star in one of the story times for the children with a ukulele. I assure you that you do not want to subject anyone to listening to me play live but <laughs> you'll have plenty of practice I will have plenty of practice but Aaron on the other hand you could get him to do that he's he's just one of those people who's naturally gifted at music and it's just infuriating when you spend you know so much time trying to figure a song out and then he'll just come sit down and look at it for two seconds and play it perfectly but Norma have you picked up any hobbies during this uh this COVID-19 experience One thing I have done, and I haven't done it very successfully because you have to do a lot of meetup groups, is a sign language. Really? Yes. Can you demonstrate for us? Oh. (laughs) I don't think I can translate it with words, but I've tried to take that on. And it's been a little bit difficult because of like joining the Zooms and I can't really do much yet. So it's, it's hard. So I just sit there and watch and try to translate what they're saying, but I can't. My dream job is to be the translator for the press conferences. I love how people are really taking this opportunity to learn new things and kind of um, kind of step outside their comfort zones a little bit. You know, it's kind of strange how uncertainty will do that to a person. So good for you, Norma. That's well, really great. I mean, I'm not good at it well, yet, but... Yeah, so it's just something, right? Something to fill our time because we've always feel like these social pressures of doing something right after work or on the weekends and now there's really nowhere to go. So I'm at home, but speaking of home. Silver lining. All those things that we make excuses for in our lives because, you know, these are the things we want to do or we wish to do, um, but we never have time to do. Oh my gosh, now we have all the time in the world. And actually, the uh, the woman on my route who I'm pen pals with, she one of the things she included for me in her last folder was um, a couple of calendars, blank calendars that she had Xeroxed. And she labeled them each. One of them was things I want to do. One of them is things I have to do. And one of them is things I wish to do. And she included a little note instructing me to fill out all three calendars and to make sure that I give the same level of attention 
to the things I want to do and the things I wish to do as I give to the things I have to do. And I read it and I, I stopped, I called my mom. I was like, you have to hear this. This is That's amazing. How do yeah. we get a pen pal? Yeah, can I get her too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, there's something to be said for surrogate grandmothers. She's just amazing. That's wow. awesome. I love that story. So Jessica, one, one question that we ask our guests, um, the same question, which is, uh, what books um, are by your bedside or what is in your kind of TV film watching queue these days? So I am in the middle of reading um, Trevor Noah's autobiography, Born a Crime. And it's not really the type of book that I would normally gravitate to. I'm not really the kind of person who's super interested in reading about famous people's lives. <laughs> um, it surprised me for some reason, right? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't generally interest me, but um, but this book is about his experiences growing up in South Africa under apartheid, and it's just it's such a fantastic book. I'm so in love with it, and it's it's also part of our uh, COVID um, adapting in my family. My my mom and my sister and I have all three read this book now, and we're passing it around in this little sort of unofficial book club. So it's like the sisterhood of the traveling book. Totally. Yes. Yes. So much better than traveling pants. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Such a fabulous book. He is so intelligent and he's so witty and the writing is just captivating and the way that he, he talks about these really just horrific things that happened to him and people he knew while he was growing up and these circumstances that, you know, as someone who grew up in California, I could never even conceive of. Uh, he tells them with such a interesting comedic slant that just it almost makes it off-putting even more so to hear these stories. But but it's just it's a it's an experience reading this book. It's amazing. I love it. I'm gonna look it up because I do love autobiographies and anything about people, especially right now. That's my latest thing is listening or reading books about people because I don't have much social interaction. So I'm definitely gonna add that. And we have it at the library, so you can put a hold on it, Norma. There we go. <laughs> So good. The way he talks about his mother too, and what a strong, powerful woman she was against, you know, everything was, the odds were just against her when she was raising her child in South Africa. And most of the book, I mean, the book is just fantastic, but a huge part of the loving the book for me is just the way that he tells this, these stories about his mother and what a powerhouse of a woman she is. I'm just in awe of her. No, that's awesome. When you kind of go for a guilty pleasure read, what might that look like? Uh, guilty pleasure read. I am kind of a sucker for uh, like science fiction novels. What did I read recently? Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. Of course not. Oh, I'm a sucker for the science fiction novels. I also recently read um, John Krakauer's book, Into Thin Air, which somehow I had never read. And that was just, oh my gosh, that was, I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. Such captivating a story. So captivating. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was really, really spectacular. The way he, he wrote it was, um, yeah, I didn't put it down. I didn't really give anything else in my life any attention for about two days. But I am a sucker for the sci-fi novels, totally. Love it. How can listeners get involved and or contribute to Meals on Wheels currently if they would want to? 
Um, so I would answer that by saying I would love to see people in this community get involved with Meals on Wheels, but even broader, um, just get involved in anything, any kind of volunteerism where you're giving back to, um, to the community, to people who, who need a little bit, something extra. It is so rewarding. It's just such a, an amazing experience all the way around for everybody. Meals on Wheels is always in need of volunteerism and donations. I think there's a, there's a little bit of a misconception that uh, Meals on Wheels is federally funded and it's not. We rely completely on local funding, grants from charitable organizations and private donations. And it's what allows us to subsidize the cost of meals. So clients do pay for their meals, but the funding that we get allows us to charge them much, much, much less than we, we buy the meals for. So I encourage people to donate. I encourage people to volunteer. Volunteerism is a little bit tricky right now because of COVID and there are health issues that prevent us from taking on a lot of new volunteers. But anyone can, can visit our website at mealsonwheelssb.org. If you're interested in volunteering as a driver or as an interviewer, you can fill out our little volunteer application there on the website. And while you're there, you can donate. If you're feeling especially charitable, you can sign up for a monthly recurring donation. You can look at our Facebook page, Santa Barbara Meals on Wheels on Facebook, which I am running. And you can help me tremendously <laughs> by liking the page and sharing it <laughs> and following it because... I am running this crusade to um, increase our social media presence with uh, very little experience with social media. So Jessica, just to kind of give our audience a little kind of perspective, can you just tell us how much a meal costs typically and what that includes for one of your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So we buy our meals from a local retirement community. Their kitchen is already cooking these fantastic meals for their residents. So we buy to-go meals from this retirement community for around $6.27. And then we sell the meals to our clients for an average of $4.50. Wow. Um, and the, the grants that we have and the donations that we have coming in, 100% of that goes to subsidize the cost of meals because the most important thing is that we keep these meal, meals affordable for the people who, who rely on them, who need them, who can't go out and shop or can't cook. Part of our uh, volunteerism is, is delivering meals, but the other part of it is being part of our interview committee. We have people who interview new clients to sort of figure out what they're capable of, if they can pay that $4.50, but we always make sure that we can provide what people need. That's fantastic. We it love is. that so much. Makes me want to volunteer. Yeah volunteer donate every little bit helps and you know the the volunteerism driving and um and and being part of the interview committee it is just it is so rewarding and you get so much back for what you give and there's just nothing like it it is it is an incomparable feeling fantastic well thank you so much jessica if anyone out there would like to learn more about um, meals on wheels or the public library or sidewalk service our virtual programs, um, you can visit the library's website at sbplibrary.org or absolutely give us a call at 805-962-7653. Uh, we'd be delighted to chat with you. So um, thanks so much again, Jessica, and uh, continue doing what you do. We, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. This wraps up another episode of Cover to Cover. We want to thank Eric Mendez, our sound producer and editor, the Santa Barbara Public Library, and all of you for listening. Everyone's got a story to tell, and we want to hear yours. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, shoot us an email at libraryadmin at santabarbaraca.gov.